0: This is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards. With Reagan Land, America's Right Turn, 1976 through 1980, historian Rick Perlstein concludes his sweeping four-volume account of the rise of modern American conservatism. Over two decades and more than 3,000 pages, Pearlstein has published three definitive works about the emerging dominance of conservatism in American politics. Before the Storm, Barry Goldwater and the Unmaking of American Consensus in 2002, Nixonland, the Rise of a President and the Fracturing of America in 2008, and The Invisible Bridge, the Fall of Nixon and the Rise of Reagan, in 2014. With the saga's final installment, Reaganland, covering the years from Jimmy Carter's election to his defeat at the hands of Ronald Reagan, he has delivered his most stunning literary and historical achievement yet. Pearlstein shows how much of the nation changed over those years, and just as importantly, how those changes produced the world we live in now. Happy to have Rick Perlstein join me here on Speaking of Writers. Rick, welcome to this program. Hi, Steve. I'm
1: so glad to be here.
0: So, let's start with this saga. What led you to this saga originally back in 2002? Well, i like to say
1: that's a question uh, for you you to ask my shrink, but uh, (laughs) it definitely uh, started with an obsession with the 1960s. Um, I, growing up in the 1980s in suburban Milwaukee, thought the world around me was incredibly boring, but what I saw uh, in the civil rights movement and the hippies and the anti-war movement was just galvanizing to me. And I would read anything I could get my hands on about it. And when I, I kind of grew up and, and started looking for uh, a book project, one of the things I realized was that the 1960s was much more than that. It really was a civil war between left and right in America. And that in a lot of respects, uh, the right one, you know, Richard Nixon, of course, winning his two terms as president, his second one uh, in a landslide with 49 states. And then, of course, Ronald Reagan in 1980 at the apotheosis, And that that uh, really formed the politi- political skeleton of uh, the body politic we have now. So I've been pursuing it for 23 years. And uh, it's been extremely rewarding. And people say that it really, you know, helps them understand why America has turned out the way it has.
0: Chatting with Rick Perlstein here and speaking of writers, his new book is Reagan Land, America's Right Turn, 1976 through 1980. This is the final volume in the acclaimed epic account of the rise of conservatism in America. All right, Rick, let's start the beginning of this book. 1976, Reagan dismissed mm-hmm. as a man without a political future. He, defeated, he was defeated in his nomination bid against a sitting president of his own party, Gerald Ford, of course. Too old to make another run at that point, people thought. His comeback, though, was fueled by an extraordinary confluence. And what was that confluence? Uh, Of course, it
1: was uh, composed of the perceived failures of the Jimmy Carter presidency, uh, which had a lot of interlocking elements, including the kind of loss of American economic dominance during those years. And also the coming together of a right-wing coalition uh that uh had a very new and interesting element and that was politicized right-wing evangelical and fundamentalist christians who really hadn't been involved in politics to that point uh there was a biblical injunction to you know cast your eyes heavenward and not in the 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 foul smelly dirty world of politics and that changed because the social changes of the 1960s worked their way into the mainstream and a lot of very smart and very aggressive ideological entrepreneurs noticed that on the ground that a lot of Americans were very dismayed uh, by the changes they saw in their myths, and turned them into a political vessel for, for candidates and for uh, political political movements. And the other most important part of this coalition that also was new. Was that corporations that were pretty comfortable with uh, the liberal state and with the labor movement, and uh, were not particularly spending a lot of energy, for example, lobbying against regulation, suddenly started um, acting like very class conscious, very aggressive political actors, and the reason for that mainly was that their their profits started declining in the nineteen seventies after. A great period of economic boom after World War II, So they basically started pouring money into politics and they, they started organizing and lobbying and these groups kind of came together and formed the backbone of the coalition that uh, elected Ronald Reagan against a backdrop of a public that was really uh, looking for not necessarily the kind of ideology Reagan was offering. If you look at the polls, the exit polls that day in November of 1980, but we're just so desperate for change because everything in America seemed to be going wrong, and this smiling, charming, charismatic guy who uh, uh, was always willing to say that America was the greatest country in the world um, was an attractive option.
0: Chatting with Rick Perlstein here on speaking of writers, his book is Reagan Land: America's Right Turn, 1976 to 1980, and on the Democratic side. At that time mm-hmm. in 1980, there's a civil war going on, right?
1: Yes, and it's uh, basically over the fact that Jimmy Carter, his political calling card when he was president, was the idea that America had to make do with less. He was always talking about the need to uh, cut the budget for social programs, which is something we you know, traditionally associate with conservative Republican politicians. But Carter was very big on that. He would, you know, for example, say we needed to lower our thermostats to uh, 65 degrees in winter and no lower than, you know, 74 in summer. And uh, Ted Kennedy, uh, you know, the last Kennedy brother uh, was disgusted with this. He wanted to continue the, the New Deal tradition, his biggest defining issue was uh, kind of national health care like they have in England and Canada where you could go to the doctor for free. And Jimmy Carter's proposal for health in, uh, new health insurance program was you know, far to the left of even what we see today in Obamacare where Clinton tried, but it wasn't enough for Ted Kennedy. And he made a full bore attempt to snatch the nomination away from a sitting Democratic president. And it really was a civil war. Ted Kennedy took it all the way to the 1980 convention. And when he lost, At that convention, he immediately launched a platform fight and tried to get Jimmy Carter to run on a platform that was absolutely 180 degrees opposed in a lot of ways to what he'd been telling the nation up to that point that it needed in order to survive. So it was a very ugly legacy to take into the general election against uh, Ronald Reagan, the guy who you know, only four years before pundits were saying had about as much chance of becoming president as Richard Nixon did. Uh, in 1980.
0: Chatting with Rick Perlstein, his book is Reaganland, America's Right Turn, 1976 through 1980. Of course, Carter, uh, his Oval Office tenure further imperiled by the Iranian hostage crisis, Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, the catastrophe of Three Mile Island, aviation accidents, yep. serial killers on the loose, and endless gas lines as well. Rick, you also show how crucial grasping that era is to understanding our own today. Why? I do
1: uh well a lot of people have scratched their heads at how um people like Jerry Falwell Jr uh and the Christian Right could be so enthusiastic about a candidate like Donald Trump who you know doesn't really resemble uh what we associate with the Prince of Peace Jesus Christ right he's uh cruel he's um uh racist bigoted but one of the things i try to show in the book is that uh, this Christian right movement that was led by Jerry Falwell Sr. Uh, was very similar to uh, the kind of themes we see on the Donald Trump right. Uh, the, the, one of the ways that they um, made their appeal to disillusioned Americans was with uh, terrible homophobia. Jimmy Carter would say that home—I mean, not Jimmy Carter. Jerry Falwell, Jerry Falwell would say that a homosexual – uh, would just as soon look at you as kill you. There was a conspiracy theory, a lot like QAnon today, that gay men were going around recruiting children. the 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 The, the, the myth was that you know they couldn't reproduce, so they had to recruit people into the fold. And that sort of um, kind of panic politics uh, that we see pretty much every day of the week with Donald Trump really had its roots in uh, these years with the rise of the Christian right in the late 1970s.
0: And speaking of rise and coming to national prominence, you also describe how President Donald Trump and Democratic nominee Joe Biden coming to national prominence during this period, too.
1: That's right. They, they, they make several cameos. Uh, Joe Biden, of course, uh, wins his Senate seat when he's only 29 years old in 1972, taking the advice of uh, the guy who later became Jimmy Carter's most important political advisor, a guy named Pat Cadell. And he was the guy who said issues are not important. What is really important is how candidates make them feel and to speak to speak to their alienation against politics. So when Joe Biden wins in 1972, he doesn't run against, you know, the actual guy he's 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 fighting against in the campaign. He runs against Washington itself. You know, when he uh, runs for reelection to the Senate in 1978, he really. uh he really is the harbinger of a kind of rightward turn in the democratic party uh he runs as the guy who kept um school busing from going forward as the he called himself the stingiest senator and then in 1980 uh he endorsed jimmy carter but in such a tepid way that he almost seemed to be kind of um Paving the path for his own run in 1984. So he, we we were basically introduced to this extremely ambitious young man who, you know, was basically willing to trim his sails ideologically in order to get where he got. And then in the case of uh, Donald Trump, Uh, I tell the story of how he basically ripped off the city of New York uh, to get a very valuable hotel property uh, and get a tax abatement uh, and that he, through fraudulent accounting, uh, never paid the city back. And that part of the story tells about how New York City uh, was kind of taking the, the turn from its 1975 New York bankruptcy and garbage strikes and police strikes the kind of glittering, kind of very unequal, kind of yuppie paradise that came about in the 1980s.
0: Reck your uh, research process for this saga must have been intense. What was it like?
1: <laughs> well, I'm obsessed. <laughs> and uh, what I try to do is I try to uh, put before my eyeballs uh, the kind of information, the kind of culture... Uh, the kind of stories, the kind of news that an ordinary person would come across in a, a typical day in 1976, 1977, 1978. And, uh, you know, I watch a lot of movies. I talk about Star Wars. I talk about Superman and how they kind of portended the kind of um, politics we saw with Ronald Reagan. You know, I read lots and lots and lots and lots of old newspapers. Uh, and I read not just, you know, the articles, but also the advertisements and the cartoons and really try to um, make the point that We just don't experience politics in terms of, you know, elections and politicians, but we also experience it in terms of popular culture, in terms of economics, in terms of sociology. I really try and capture what it was like to live during those periods and really give the flavor of the times.
0: And what is next for you in your writing? You taking a break? Uh, Well, uh, I I look forward to writing a shorter book uh,
1: that's going to be called The Republican Playbook, and it's going to teach liberals uh, what the kind of uh, main tricks of the trade that Republicans have used to uh, take so much power over the last few decades.
0: All right, Rick Perlstein, the book now, the final installment of the saga, the final volume, Reaganland, America's Right Turn 1976 through 1980. Rick, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks for the opportunity to share all this. Cheers.